0: This is the Golf Under Par Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy McCullough. We are on a journey to find the information that's going to help you play the best golf of your life. Join us now as we dive in. Welcome, everybody, to the Golf Under Par Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy McCullough. I'm here with a special guest, Tony Ruggiero. Uh, he is one thing, has a podcast himself, a tour coach, where he talks a lot with, with all, a lot of other tour um, pros, and those that they work with and getting great insights on that. If you guys haven't checked that out, awesome information there. He's also a PJ Pro at uh, Frederica Golf Club and, in Georgia. And he's also written a book on uh, lessons from the legends. So, welcome to the podcast, Tony. And thank you for being here, man.
1: Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on, Jeremy. And uh, always nice to sit down and talk a little golf and how we can help folks get better.
0: Yeah, it's awesome.
1: Thank you. Uh, Let's see here. So I always ask everybody, how'd you get
0: into golf? And what got you started on this this path?
1: Well, you know, uh, I got started uh, my grandfather and my dad. I was six years old. I think we were at Disney. And then my grandfather, he worked in the Pentagon and uh, he retired to Pinehurst when I was young. I guess I would say I was probably in the 10, 11, 12 year old age group and uh I can remember going there I spent most of my summers there for a long period of time going down there and spending the summer playing nine holes with him and then eventually it grew to where we played 36 or 54 holes a day at this little nine hole place and then I had the opportunity to play golf at Pinehurst and you know I went to the the Pinehurst Golf Academy as a kid and those types of things so I've been pretty fortunate uh you know, learn to play early and uh, had some good informative instruction there from Eric Alpenfels and the folks. Eric was a, I think he was a young instructor there at the Pinehurst Golf Academy. And and uh, I mean, I was a young kid coming up through it. So I've been fortunate. I've been, I've been exposed to some great places, some great instruction. Um, and then through the years, I've had some even better, you know, just I've been fortunate to be around great instruction, which I think shaped my career obviously for the better, but, uh, I've been, I've been very fortunate. Awesome. So one thing that, that interested me in having you on
0: was uh, your kind of your simple approach, we'll say for, for the golf swing and just golf in general, uh, caught bits and pieces of your philosophy through, through your podcast and some of the information that you've shared on, on social media. Uh, I would love to talk to you a little bit about, you know, the good, the components of good ball striking. And what, what, Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, you know, actually, it's oddly it, – Lucas Glover, one of my students and friends – I mean, I would call him a friend as much as a student. He helped – he jumped in and helped me with one of my players, Robbie Shelton, this week And uh, because I think it's good to get different perspectives from a player and a coach. And we all have different perspectives. We're all trying to do the same thing. Um, you know, and he said, you know, golf's a pretty simple game, right? And my old mentor, Hank Johnson, used to say – Golf's a simple game. It's just hard to do. Right. But really, all you're trying to do is take this square club face and you're trying to make it line up with the ball, you know. And I think we get, uh, you know, there's so much information out there. And I think that there and lots. And I think all of it's great. Um, I, I don't know that any of, you know, and I, and I can be classified as simple or old school or whatever, but. Um, you know, we have lots of technology and we use it, but still it boils down to like a pretty simple thing. You're trying to make the club bottom out or have a low point in front of the ball. You know, you want the club face to be square when it comes into the ball. Um, You know, those, those things that are, they're tried and true. And, and so um, I'm pretty old school and pretty simple in that. And I like to start folks from the green or from around the green or from small shots. And it doesn't matter to me if you're, you know, if you're a 20 handicapper or you're a tour player, a lot of times I'll say, why don't you hit a little pitch shot? Show me that you can do it, uh, you know, doing whatever it is we're working on. So I think uh, um, golf can be complicated and it can be difficult. And there's some – obviously, science has made made certain parts of it sound more complicated and seem more difficult. But I think in the end, we're trying to achieve the same things that we've always been trying to achieve.
0: Right. The goal's always been the same thing: get the little thing into the hole, right? So it's just mm-hmm. how can we do that more efficiently, effectively?
1: <laughs> yeah, no oh. question, no question about it. I mean, like I always tell folks: if you're taking a first lesson from me, look, we're trying to get obviously good grip, posture, balance, setup, good ball position, and we're trying to swing the club relatively up and down the right path, the plane. You know, people argue whether there's a plane or not, but we're not here for that. But trying to argue up and down the plane with a pretty square face. And you're trying to move the club around your body with the rotation of your body. And it impact, you want, if you're a right-handed player, you want the left wrist to be relatively flat and you don't want the face rotating a bunch of things. okay. So that's the four things basically we're trying to do now that doesn't seem that complicated, but people make it more complicated than that. And my job, or I think most good coaches are, you know, folks that really uh, try to help people try to, trying to help people do that. And is simple and is easy to understand. And some, some students want way more information. Some way want way more less or way less, but, but our job is the end result is to help you do that better.
0: Yep. Yep. I think that, that, that puts a lot of times, I think with the uh, tour, or just coaches in general, you know, right. whether it's a fitness coach or, or a, a coach like yourself for golf. And somebody comes to you like, Hey, I want to, do this and you're like well that's probably not the best thing for you but right my job is to give you what you want but at the same time make you a better player and so you have to like have this give and take and and whatnot you know i see that with with my fitness fitness athletes and and whatnot and 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 as well and so
1: my old mentor hank johnson was a he's a brilliant teacher a brilliant mind And, and he said to me one time that you know when a student comes to you you've got to answer their question or you've got to address their issue first. Right. And, you know, when you look at their golf swing, that may not be initially where you'd want to go, but if you address their issue and you answer their question, then they buy into what you're telling them and you can take them where you want to go. And I think that's a big part of teaching. Like I think that so many folks when they're teaching golf, they, they look at a golf swing and they see where the hell they want to take it and what they want to do. Um, but the player and the student isn't always on the same page. So I think you've got to always keep in mind that the player and the student's boss, regardless of handicap level or, and, and how good they are. And you've got to help. You've got to answer their questions and, and address what they think first. And then you've got to go if it's off or if it's different where you want to go. You know, I think just going. I think a mistake folks make is always being just predisposed to like, this is what I think, heck, this is what I'm going to do. Right. I mean, I think, then I think you miss the connection with the student and with the player. I think you've got to address them and what they think and where they feel. And, and sometimes you go down, maybe, you know, sometimes you go a block or two off, off the path to address their qu- and then you can take a right turn and get back on the main road, but you've got to do that to get them to buy in. And I think getting them to buy in is what helps you be successful in the long run. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Very true. Uh, let's go into a little bit more about that ball strike. you talk about, you know, get, mm-hmm. presenting the face fairly square to the ball. So where do you start with somebody getting them to recognize kind of the position of the club and, and maybe the path or whatever so that, they can have that better contact, that square contact on the ball?
1: Well, I think, you know, so for me, the first thing, if we're talking about contact and we're talking about ball striking, it's getting the low point in the correct spot, which obviously is in front of the ball. And, and to me, it's learning to move the club with the pivot, not the rotation of their body, getting them. And everybody, everybody's different. I've been around and around a bunch of great players, a bunch of great teachers. And we know from the folks like Mike Adams, there's a bunch – uh, who's done so much work and Dr. Scott Lynn, and they've talked about the different ways you can pivot and everybody winds up different, but you got to help a player figure out how to move the club with their pivot and deliver it with their pivot. Right. And so they're, you know, so that they can deliver the pivot, deliver the club to the low point um, with their pivot rather than their hands and their arms. And I think the ability to use the pivot where you wind your upper body up over your lower body and your lower body unwinds and your upper body unwinds and delivers that club, I mean, I think that's the key to really good ball striking. okay? And the, the great ball strikers, I'm fortunate to teach a couple guys that hit it pretty damn good. You know, I mean, they, they use their pivot really well. The club, you know, if they're a drawer a draw of the golf ball, like Lucas Glover, the club's going to swing a little more in-out. If they're a fader of the golf ball, like a Robbie Shelton or a Zach Sucker, club's going to swing a little more out to in, right? But it doesn't vary a ton off that. It's three or four degrees either either way, right? So, uh, but they learn how to deliver that club repetitively and consistently on the same path, the face is in the same relation to that path, and, and they do it with their pivot. They do it with their body. I don't see and – and anybody listening to this could come up with some examples of people that don't do it, right? If you look hard enough or you find hard enough, you can always find exceptions to what you and I are talking about. But we're trying to help the majority of people. And I think that the majority of folks, if they learn to move the club with their pivot, with the rotation of the body, and deliver it consistently with that, without a lot of face rotation, would be better ball strikers. Okay.
0: Um, so then with that, so obviously one of the big things with, with ball striking is we want to see that consistency, that, that, you know, fairly similar pattern. Are you a, are you a big proponent of like a stock shot or a stock pattern, um, to help control can be like dispersion and stuff like that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't see tons of players. I don't see tons of players out there today. One, the golf ball in the golf club's not meant to move it a ton nowadays, right? And so for guys that like to move it a lot, I think it's a challenge to get fit. But, you know, I I think that most – that the best players in the world, I think that there are some that can – I think they all can curve it both ways if they have to. But I think the majority of them have a shape that they use all the time. And I think that any golfer listening to us, could benefit from understanding what's the easiest way to move it, whether it's left to right, right to left. It doesn't matter. I mean, like I've had guys that are really good players that curve at 20 or 30 yards left to right or 20 or 30 yards right to left, but they know it's always going to do that every time. Right. And so I think if you can learn to curve it one direction all the time, regardless of what it is, I think you can become a better player. And then you, because I think if you can do that, then you can learn to minimize the curve over time. Right. You can learn you can learn to reduce the path and you know and the face rotation and so forth. So, you know, I think one of the first things to becoming a more predictable maybe or better ball striker with that is to learn to curve it all the time one direction. I don't think very many players, I mean, you look at like Dustin Johnson, I know he can curve it right to left if he has to, but he plays it left to right every damn time he hits it, right? Especially off the team. I mean, uh, Justin Thomas fades it all the time off the tee. He'll draw his wedges. But, like, you know, I, I think this idea that you got to be able to curve it both ways all the time I think is a little bit of a fallacy. And I, I think that the best players have a shot that they hit all the time, whether it's right to left, left to right, that moves in that direction, and I think they, it, they tend to stick with that. I think it's easier to play golf that way. Uh,
0: yeah, I would definitely think it would have a, a big impact on – confidence you know like you Mm -hmm. said you you're fairly certain of what's going to happen the predictability I think is what the word you used Mm -hmm. uh, of what's going to happen when you when you line up and and you hit swing so
1: no no question I think you mentioned predictability I think and, and I think confidence comes from looking up and seeing the ball curving in the direction you want it to right so I think the more you do that the more confident you become uh the better and and the more the, re, you know, I think the results reflect on the, you're confident and that the ball's curving the way it is. Um, yeah. I think if you learn to curve it one direction all the time, I mean, I think it's easier to become a good player. I, I think it's easier to become more predictable. And I think you can, once you learn to either hook it or cut it all the time, I think, I don't think it's that hard then to go and say, okay, if I want to curve it less, or I want to curve it the other way, I can figure that out. But I think it's really good for a player to learn to curve it all one direction and eliminate one side.
0: All right, so so where does a player sell? Let's say uh, 20 handicappers looking to kind of get a little bit more consistency, we'll say, of, of predictability of his shot. You know, where does he start? You start, you know, do you get on the track, man? Do you just hit the balls at the
1: range? Just kind of see – where that's going and and then go from there? Well, if I was a 20 handicapper, the last thing I'd do is get on track man or a swing catalog or any of that shit. Right. So if I was a 20 handicapper, the first thing I would do is I would get something down for my aim, whether like I use all the time a rope, you know, that illustrates the target line or two stick or whatever. And I would get something down that put the ball in the same spot every time. And so many times, you know, I'll be, at Frederick, and I'll be driving down towards the learning center and I'll watch golfers out on a practice tee. It's easy to do, right? You know, driving down and you know, you're like, you look at them and you watch them and they hit a ball and they rake another ball over They hit another ball. they rake another ball over. And the feet aren't in the same spot. Ball's not in the same spot. It's easy to tell. Well, if it's easy to tell from 45 feet, you know, damn well, they're not doing it very consistent. Right, So I think the first thing, if you're a 15 handicapper and you're wanting to get more consistent, you're wanting to get more predictable, you're wanting to get more repeatable shots, you want to get your feet aimed the same way every time. I mean, it it doesn't matter as much if you're a little right or you're a little left or you're square, but you want them the same way every time. And you want to understand. I I think it's a big deal to understand where you have a baseline. Where do you hit the ball from square? So if my feet are dead square to the, or parallel to the target line and the balls, a club head width inside my heel, where do I hit it from there? You know, once I understand that I can learn how to aim and I can be more consistent. So I think a great thing that any golfer could do, especially a 50 handicapper is get square to a target line, put the ball club head width inside the left heel, which would give you room to bottom the club out right before the low point if you did everything correct, and then see where the ball goes, and see what your tendency is from there. And then I think you can address some things from there, like okay, well I need to aim a little more left, or I need to aim a more a little more right, or you can get with your teacher and say, well, when I do this, I mean your teacher shit already should have done this, but like you know, like but I think that gives you a baseline. Where does the ball go from a consistent, solid ball position and a good aim? And then I think you kind of can address some things yourself, but if you don't ever know where the ball's going, if you're square to the target line and if the ball's in a good place, I think it's hard to diagnose yourself and it's hard to be consistent. So good set fundamentals, ball position names, not super sexy. Not a lot of people write books about it and, <laughs> you know, and there aren't a bunch of podcasts done about it. And and there's certainly not a, social, a lot of social media about it, but like, to me, the one thing that great players do, like when I'm on the tee – so I was on the tee at the Honda uh, yesterday. Um, if you walk up and down that range, you don't see anybody with really, really way off ball position. Some have a little more back, a little more forward. You know, some folks may be aimed a fraction more right or a fraction more left, but there aren't huge variations, right? Right. So, like, why do we walk up and down at the golf course and we see people aim way the hell left, way the hell right, all the way back, way the ball way forward? I mean, I think the easiest thing to do to be more consistent is get the ball in the same place and your feet in the same place.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was uh, DJ here recently that, you know, I think the one cue for the coach is like, oh, you're, you've you scooted away from the ball or the ball's got moved back, or you know, just like the little things. And, um, you know, even, even somebody as talented as he is, and that's thrown right. out his game, I can imagine, you know, the uh, – the less consistent, you know, 20 handicapper and how, how much that would throw off their game. But I like how saying, you say, know, you control the little variables there at the beginning with the setup and, and the ball position. and yeah. Figuring out that, that
1: stuff out. I think the better the player, the better they are. I mean, I get to ask this all the time by juniors and college players, like, hey, what do the best guys do? And it's like they control the variables that they can control, right? And I did a thing for golf.com not long ago. So, I mean, you, you, I mean, the best players in the world, if you watch them, I mean, the variables and the things that they can control are almost always identical. And then you go down, if you go to a corn fairy event or you go to a college event, those variables are, are different. I mean, I think the talent level is very high at all levels. And even like your 15 handicapper, the fit, take your 15 handicapper that's listening to you and I talk and take your two handicapper, probably the talent level in a lot of cases is very similar, Right. You know, I mean, it's attention to detail. It's fundamentals. It's the things, the things you can control, right? And I think I don't think people pay enough attention to that. Uh,
0: let's go into launch monitors here. In talking maybe a little bit numbers for for some, some people that are just maybe just starting to use it to get better idea of maybe dispersion and, and stuff like that. Because uh, I've heard a lot of talk, you know, figuring out what is your what is your cone or what is your dispersion? How how wide is is this? Uh, so. What, what do we look at? How do we how do we start figuring that kind of stuff
1: out? Well, I mean, look, you know, I'm not a big launch monitor guy, so I'm probably not the right guy for this question. But you know, look, I, th- I mean, again, I think if you want to draw it, I think you ought to look at it from like if I want to be a drawer, I got to have the path in out, so I've got to just use Trackman, for example, right, or quad. I use quad a bunch. You want to have a path that's into out or positive if you're if you're a quad user, uh, or a trackman user rather, and you want to have a face that's slightly closed to that path, right, to hit a draw. And if it's if it's a fade, you want to have a path that's into out or negative, and you want to have a face that's that's uh, open to that. One of the best pieces of advice I got was to from Dr. Scott Lynn. I don't know if you've had him on your podcast, but brilliant guy biomechanics expert does a bunch with me and you know he would tell people to hit big hooks we'd have people hit big hooks on a track man or quad and then hit big cuts Mm. then try to hit it in the middle and then do hit big hooks and hit big cuts and then try to hit it in the middle and like your brain kind of can figure out what to do that is. Right. And then I like to have people hit on a track man or a quad and hit what their good shot is. Like, Hey, I want to hit a Like I want to hit a five yard draw, whatever. It doesn't matter. Everybody's different, but then have them do that. And then figure out what those numbers are. I don't like to see people try to create the number or know what the number is. I want you to hit your good shot and then find out what the dang numbers are. And then we know, right. Cause I think when you start trying to produce a number, when you say, oh, if you're a good drawer of the golf ball, you're a good fader of the ball, you're this, that, and the other. You know, I don't I don't know that that's the best way to learn. I think you want to learn to hit your shot and you want to learn to measure what your numbers are and know that. And then when you get off, I think the best thing about technology, whether it's launch monitors or not, is the ability to measure what you're doing when you're doing well. And then know. I mean, I, I've got players – I taught Smiley Kaufman through the years and I was with him through the years. He played really good golf won on tour and played in the final group of the masters. Well, I didn't have a bunch of that information. Now, Well, as he went and he struggled, I wish I would have had more of that information to know exactly what the club was doing. It's a good example, right? I've been fired four or five times since then. So it doesn't even matter, but like, you know, I think the more information you can have of what your good shot is and what you do, I think helps you more down the road. And I don't know that it helps you become better. I think it helps you understand what you do when you hit your good shot. And I think as teachers, our job is to help you figure out how to get back to what that good shot is more often than not.
0: Okay. So, so do you think just more focused on on distance and maybe, uh, you know, the pattern then? I
1: think path and face is the biggest thing any golfer can understand from their good, like how much into out it is or how much out the end it is and what the face relationship is. I think that's a valuable thing for any golfer. Um, You know, I mean, depending on skill level, things will change. Right. I mean, but I I think any golfer could benefit from understanding the path and face relation. Now, a super simple way to do that, or a super, I I use it all the time. I call it poor man's track, man, is I set you sticks or a rope up and I put a stick out there 10 yards in front of the rope or the stick dead in line with the target. And I have you learn to start it right and curve it left, start it left and curve it right and figure out how to do that. I mean, that's basic raw form of what a track man or a quad is. Right. I mean, I think, I think each player can do things like that and learn to control the path, learn to control the face and, and learn to understand the relationship between those two and learn to control their golf ball better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so that sticks just ten yards out, and then you, you kind of want to work yeah. it both ways around it, just to get a better feel for for those, so the different shots, and see which one which one works out better for you. And then you got at least an idea of of where you're at and what you're doing. Exactly. And really, I like it. Um, so let's go into our mulligan round. These are the quick questions that I ask everybody, and just you got one mulligan that you get to use on any of these questions, whichever you prefer, uh, whenever you prefer. So, worst club in the bag. Putter. What's the best round you've had? Sixty-two. What superhero would you? What superhero power would you choose?
1: Hmm. Wow, that's hard. Uh, I'd have to pass on that. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure that one out. <laughs> All right. What's your go-to karaoke song? Ooh, that's a good one. Probably, I would probably have to say "Beast of Burden." All right. Uh, weirdest golf term? I mean, I think shank's kind of weird.
0: <laughs> uh, what's the favorite exercise or, or drill that you use to help your game?
1: Um, I don't do much for my game anymore, but the best drill that I have folks do is do one-legged on both sides, right-legged and left-legged pivot drills, where they have to stand on their right or their left-legged left leg and do it because I think it helps promote balance and stability on each side that you need in the golf swing.
0: Are they hitting balls when they do that or just? No, no, just
1: pivot yeah. drills, just crossing it
0: yeah. on. Okay. Uh, what's the takeaway you want everybody to uh, have for the, from
1: this, uh, for this conversation? Well, I think that you can get better at golf without it being rocket science and that you got to have a good plan and that you can do it yourself. I mean, you can do it with some guidance, but you got to understand what you're trying to do. And that if you have good control over the club face, you can become a better player.
0: All right. Last question: If you could have one of your tour guys uh, hit your tee ball or your putt, which one? Would, and you have to hit all the other shots.
1: Which one would you choose? Mm, I'd have Lucas Glover hit my tee ball, and I would probably have. I would probably have. Luke Guthrie hit my putt. All right. Tony, before we let you go,
0: let us know how we can kind of follow you and keep up with what you're doing learn more from you.
1: Uh, I think the best way nowadays, as crazy as it sounds, is social media. On Instagram, at Golf Seems to be the most positive way, at DoSweeperGolf.com. You can go to do sweepersgolf.com on my website, and it has all the information on how to get a hold of us and our retreats and all that stuff.
0: All right. We'll have that information in the show notes. That's it for this episode of the Golf Under Par podcast. Well, thank you, Tony, for coming in, coming on with us. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great day.
1: Absolutely. Jeremy, thank you.
0: Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Hopefully, you've enjoyed this content on the go. If you found it helpful, please share with a friend and leave us a review on itunes this allows us to reach more golfers just like you that want to play under par do you want to be stronger and healthier well i've got a resource for you: golf fitness tips it's a free facebook group where we talk about how to take care of our bodies so that we can play more golf we can play golf longer in life and we can play better on the course If that interests you, then check out the link below or search for Golf Fitness Tips
1: on Facebook.